When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With the NFL season right around the corner, now is the best time to sign up for Underdog Fantasy. If you like best ball tournaments and weekly games, Underdog is where it's at. Tons of great tournaments and contests. And for our listeners, if you use the code WFNY on your first deposit, Underdog will match your deposit for free up to $100. That's right, that's free money, and that's something we can all enjoy. So don't forget to use the code WFNY with your first deposit with Underdog Fantasy. Good luck. Back to WFNY's Brownscast. Um, it's been a long summer, uh, but as you can see, if you're watching on the video, um, we're back with a, a new cast of characters here. Um, but as you may notice, the one that we're missing is Joe Gilbert. Unfortunately for the pod, but... Potentially, fortunately for him, well, definitely fortunately for him, he has accepted a new job over the summer, and it requires more of his time, and he has decided to step away from the pod um, on behalf of waiting for next year. I want to thank him for the work that he did on the pod over the last couple of years, as well as bringing me on and putting up with me and all the things that go along with that. So, um, you know, he may not... He may not miss doing these pods in the long run. The uh, the post-lost pods can take a lot out of you. <laughs> there's only there's only so much you can talk about after a another crushing loss to the Chargers for no reason. Um, <laughs> but we push on. Um, I'm Taylor Jedrzak. I'm back, and I'm going to take over the hosting role. Um, at, with me this week and potentially more weeks, depends on his schedule is the owner and the guy who handed me the keys, uh, Gerbs. How's it going? I'm good, bud. How are you doing? I'm pretty good. Hanging in there. I had to deal with a hurricane today, but, you know, normal things in the South this time of year. Glad to hear that everything went well and that you're safe. (laughs) Uh, I did not realize that it was up as far as you got. No, uh, we just just got some rain, but, you know, people forget how to drive when it rains. Oh, for sure. It's like every it's like every first uh, winter snow up here. It's like you've all lived here forever. Why are you driving like you're 87 and have bald tires? But you know, you've seen snow before. Move on, right? Um, and joining us this season are uh, waiting for next year contributors Matt Milner, who has spent most of the summer languishing over whatever the guardians are doing <laughs> oh yeah it's been a tough summer in that regard but i mean i'm definitely looking forward to the browns though first time i'll say that in a while <laughs> <laughs> yeah we'll, we'll we'll check back on that statement in about a month <laughs> yeah, <for laughs> um and noah schaefer who joins waiting for next year this season to help with browns coverage and uh how's it going noah pretty good i'm excited to kick off the season soon and just cover Browns with you guys. It'll, it'll definitely be an interesting season, but hopefully we can get by without any issues and have some fun while doing this. Well, you know, it's, it's the Browns season. Uh, issues happen. Yeah. 
<laughs> if a flawless Brown season happened, that would be the first. <laughs> um, so, you know, we, we kind of waited to have this pod until we could, you know, get enough people together to actually do it and to, you know, see what the preseason held and the get to the 53-man roster that uh, we would travel into the season with. So I guess we'll start with going around the table. I guess, uh, I guess we can call this a table and asking what, what stood out to everyone in the, in the preseason this year but with, with the players that are still here. I don't need to hear about Cade York any more than I already have. <laughs> That's a name that I hope just like <laughs> fades into the past. <laughs> it won't. It'll, we'll, we'll keep bringing it up, but you know. Hopefully he's not kicking for the Titans in week three. That would just be. That's that's the Browns karmic payback is what that would be. <laughs> oh, but, yeah. Um, I think I mentioned this on uh, our roundtable that we did last week. Uh, what really struck out most for me out of this preseason was how little I cared about it, which is a weird thing for uh, Browns fans we generally tend to take every might and morsel of game uh, as seriously as possible, where we are breaking down snap counts and routes run on a the 14th drive of the third game. And, you know, I, I don't know that I watched more than two quarters of preseason this summer, to be honest with you. And, uh, it it felt it felt nice to be like a normal team and not have to worry about position play you know, position battles for starters in the preseason uh you know there were I, I i asked in our discord uh this week like what was the most like position player that you would have gotten upset about lo- getting cut and it was the watkins as the wide receiver 7 you know, so it's just like, oh, this is a very different situation than what we're normally where we're looking at, you know, second linebackers and, you know, starters like safety getting playtime. So it was it was nice to have a like normal ish camp compared to uh, our, our past brown ones. So. Yeah, I could, I could definitely see that. I mean, it, was, it I think, unfortunately, the game that I saw the most of was the Hall of Fame game. I don't know why I spent all four quarters watching that game when there was other games that were probably better to you watch. were there, right? I was, I was not at oh, okay. the game. For some reason, tickets were $400. Ooh. Ooh. Reasons. <laughs> oh. Yeah. <laughs> we call those reasons capitalism, but they're reasons. <laughs> like... I don't know who in their right mind would spend $400 to go see an extra preseason game where literally no one's going to play, but you know, have at it. Be my guest. It's not my money. But yeah, it was definitely nice to kind of see a, it, it seemed like a pretty low key camp. And I know some of that was because there was only eight days in Cleveland, eight, eight days open to the fans. Um, no one got hurt. Find some wood. Um, <laughs> and you know, the, it was just, it just felt like Joe said, normal team things. 
Yeah, I can agree because like they had like they went away to uh, Greenbrier, did that as like a pregame to the to the tr- training camp to get built camaraderie, and then the, the preseason just kind of just came and went just normally because last year all the focus on training camp was on Deshaun in that whole nightmare scenario of the suspension. Now this time around, the whole training camp experience has just been like, eh, it's all right. Nothing too crazy. Yeah, the most stressful thing about it has been like watching the national media, some of the national media kind of squirm and wriggle around talking about the Browns. Oh, yeah. Talking about everything about the Browns besides Deshaun Watson has been the vibe. Like they want to praise him, but they can't. They want to say good things, but they can't. It's, just, it's this tug and pull that just had been so nauseating all training camp. Yeah. What did you see, Noah? Yeah, I mean, the national media aspect has been really eh. – it's, it's been interesting. You see uh, Adam Rank came out with his yearly horrible season predictions, and he had us at 6-11. and 11. Uh, and, you know, just kind of kind of blowing us off. And I saw Nick Wright had us in the bottom of the division again. Um, but when you look at the training camp, when you look at preseason, there's been a lot of good stuff that's been going on. And it's kind of a shame that it's just been thrown out the window because of who our quarterback is. Uh, our, our offensive line has developed really well. A lot of the guys on defense have shown out. And there's a lot of stuff that the offense is doing with Deshaun Watson and Elijah Moore that's just extremely exhilarating. Um, so I, I think that we are definitely being slept on. I'm okay going into this season with, you know, the tampered expectations because I feel like that's kind of how it always is. And we in Cleveland know how big and how great this team can be. So I'm excited to see what we can put on the field week one against a a division opponent and then go out the next four weeks and play three more division opponents or well, two more division opponents. Um, and, Maybe come out of there three and one, something like that, something to get us a nice cruise up into the beginning of the season. It would certainly help. It would certainly be real nice to start a season on the plus side of things rather than, oh God, we're one in three. What do we do now? <laughs> Although, what was it? Was it was twenty twenty one? We started three and one, and then the wheels kind of fell off after Baker got hurt. Um, but. Yeah, I mean, it's. I'm not even sure if the national media is bringing expectations. I think they're just ignoring them entirely. And, you know, that's their prerogative. I can't necessarily, like, 100% blame them for avoiding the topic altogether because it's a hard topic to, to broach. So, why talk about it at all if you're going to make, make people uncomfortable talking about it? Right. We mentioned, uh, we talked, we discussed it earlier in the, in the discord, um, today, just about how, why Pittsburgh seems to be the team that gets the, the love in the division. Um, and Ed, as of this morning, Burrow hadn't practiced for a while. Uh, you know, they lost some guys on their defense in the, uh, in the secondary and Pittsburgh's, uh, just maintaining the, 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 the move, you know, keeping everybody the same, basically not really adding or losing a whole bunch. And, uh, you know, to Taylor's point, nobody really wants to, uh, to talk Browns. So why not, you know, boost up the Steelers when, you know, again, continuity there has, has reigned supreme for, 
however, you know, two decades, three decades. Yeah. I mean, almost. It's, like, it's, it's just so easy, especially in the AFC North and the AFC at large to just push the Browns off to the side and talk about everyone else because the AFC is so loaded. The AFC North is so loaded that the Browns can't, can be a team that people think will be good without being a team that people are going to talk about. Now, if they're in the AFC South, for whatever reason, there would be unavoidable because that division is garbage. Right. Just thinking, just thinking of you, this is not in your rundown at all because this is a Browns podcast, but um, just thinking like, okay, looking at the a, looking at the NFC, Jalen Hurts is obviously like the best quarterback in that conference. Where would you put like how far down would you have to go before you get to an AFC quarterback that is worse than the second best quarterback in the NFC? <laughs> That's a good question. Um, like, where, where does Kenny Pickett fall? Like, you're looking at Geno or Dak possibly as like your second best quarterbacks in the NFC. Kirk Cousins, Jared Goff. Um, you're not saying names that are impressing me here. Derek Carr. <laughs> Yeah, cars cars getting there. Daniel Jones still doesn't do it for me. No, but no. then you're looking at the AFC and you have just in the it's a north. murder. It's it's murderer's row of like yeah. Why did the Browns pick this particular area in the AFC to be worth something? Right. <laughs> Funny how yeah. that works out. For sure. <laughs> um, did did anything happen in any of, in the preseason games that you guys noticed that? made you more or less confident going into the season? I think for me personally, just from watching like uh, all preseason, I think seeing all the play from the defensive line at all levels, like no matter what it was, first string, second string, third string, they were getting after the quarterback. Like the sack totals was what stuck out to me for each game, like during the Philly game, they had like up to seven or eight sacks. Then like the first half with the starters, they were getting after the, the Chiefs like backup. It, it was it was imperative to me seeing that that Jim Schwartz's influence is already sticking out to me, like how these D linemen are just attacking and penetrating. They're just getting after getting after it like we haven't seen in a, in a long time for the for this team. Yeah, we're not going to – like, if the preseason was any bit of an indication, we're not going to see defensive tackles five yards in the backfield running over their own linebackers this season. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Free runners all the way. Free runners all the way. I, I think I think that's the thing that made me a little bit more confident, too. Like, not not just the play of the defensive line. I think even in the vanilla preseason game, play calling – you saw the aggressiveness that they're going to have, just a small taste of it. You saw the how they're going to stunt and how they're going to use linebackers to blitz and how, I think, what was the word uh, Miles Garrett used, unchained, earlier this offseason? The preseason, they looked unchained. Oh, yeah, like from with Joe Woods, it felt like they were just so passive and just always Always on the defensive. This is like a, a complete 180, it seems like, no matter who it is. Like I mentioned, like it could have been like 
Mo Hurst, who's a rotational defensive back. You would have thought he was a pro bowler, by the way. He was just getting after it. Like, yeah. I saw that. I saw his celebration more in the preseason than I did anything else. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Man was getting sack lunches all day, rubbing his belly the entire time. Yeah. Um, what what do you think, Gerbs? Um, I guess not to be a downer. I would have liked to see a little bit more of the first team offense. Uh, I don't want to get. I don't want to put any more carries on Chubb than you need to but it would have been nice to get him a little bit more run Cooper, a little more run with, uh, with Watson and everybody. Um, I fully understand why they didn't, but it, you know, it just, if we're, if Cincinnati is worried about Joe Burrow having not practiced, then why, why is Cleveland not worried about Chubb and Cooper not practicing? But, you know, there's reasons. And these guys are our vets and they're all, you know, They've been around for as long as they've been around and they don't, uh, especially on offense, they don't need to necessarily show off or, or learn a new offense the way that uh, they do on defense. But um, yeah, it would have been nice to just see a little bit more consistency and a little bit more playing time from the starters. But again, it's preseason. You want to make sure everybody goes in healthy and, uh, you know, get in, get out, not have a Rick and Morty, uh, situation where you're, stand, <laughs> you know, covered in sweat and viscera from what you had to deal with. So, yeah. Well, I, I'd like to add to that. Um, I think with the way I'm going to bring up Kellen Mond and I'm going to say, I don't love Kellen Mond, but I don't, when you look at the numbers, I don't think he did awful. He looked lost at some points, but it seems like the offense is there's one design where everybody can just be plugged in and it, and it works. Um, Mond looked lost at times and, and whatever, but his, his stats were not that bad. And then DTR coming in, I know he has a lot of experience, five years as you know being a college starter, but he looked just so comfortable in there. It looks like he's been a seasoned veteran. Uh, Dobbs had some struggles, but, you know, Deshaun went in there. He did great, and I know they did a lot of different play calling for him specifically, obviously. Uh, but everybody else just kind of looked pretty comfortable, and and the receivers showed a lot of production. And that is proven by Austin Watkins just absolutely going ham and leading the league in preseason receiving yards. So the the offensive scheme that is being set up by Stefanski is fantastic. Uh, they they made a practice squad addition of PJ Walker where he is the mold of DTR. He's the mold of Deshaun Watson. So there's obviously something that they're trying to do here, and it it seemed to pay off pretty well. I was gonna say, don't worry, Kellen Mond is gone. You, he's not gonna hurt you anymore. <laughs> <laughs> the bad man is gone. <laughs> I, I think that there's there's one aspect of the offense that I was kind of like, like it doesn't make me worry going into the the season, but it it's kind of the building blocks of worry. The off Deshaun Watson did not look crisp all the time. Like you'd like your quarterback to look a lot better in the preseason if he's only going to play a few snaps. Um, there were throws he missed. Some of that might have been receivers not being quite on the same page. I think the last game he he threw short to Elijah Moore on third and nine, and Elijah Moore looked he may have run a yard too deep. Um, 
but you know, I, I'd like to see a little bit more crispness, but I'm also not going to like claim the sky is falling because of it. Um, because you know, you don't have Nick Chubb out there. You're not running Joel Batonio out there in the preseason because he's, he's pretty much at Joe Thomas. I don't need to practice to be really good at status. So, um, I mean, other than that, uh, I think fun, fun fact about Dorian Thompson Robinson, I found out today by some random search of, um, at work that he was in the same high school graduating class as Trevor Lawrence, who has been in the NFL for two years. <laughs> I think also, uh, I don't know. Was it, I think Trey Lance as well. Justin and, Fields was in that class. Right. And uh, Trey Lance has thrown 400 passes Ooh. when DTR has, I think, 4,000 or something along. Like, it was like some astronomical number that was just like, he was just goes to show how long DTR has been around. He, he was slinging know. it around at 1 30 in the morning East Coast time in Chip Kelly's offense at the Rose Bowl. Right. No one saw it, but it happened. <laughs> <laughs> um so you know now, today was the final cut down day we had to get down to 53 i think we went down to 52 we, we we did some shenanigans and we ended up with the 53 that i think they wanted so what are, what are your what are your thoughts on the the entire roster and how how we got there um how we got there for i would say with how it it shook out. I wasn't that surprised. I would say with like with the like initial fifty three, I was a little surprised that Jordan Elliott made it. It, it seemed like he just kind of was existing, but not really doing anything noteworthy. I felt like there was more things that his like competition was doing other than him. But I I'm not gonna really like get that mad about it because like the guys in front of him, but I just thought eh, I didn't really think he did much to like make the initial 53. Yeah. I mean, I think with that one, there might be enough there that um, we get that the new uh, shorts can work with him at least. Uh, Tommy Togi, I obviously was not in that same category because now he's in Jacksonville's practice squad, but you know, I guess give him a shot in the system, see what happens. Um, they did bring back Mo Hurst, who's probably going to play in the same role as uh, as Jordan Elliott. So I don't know. I think you know when you get to this point in roster building, there's so few roster slots that are up for grabs. So it's hard to it's hard to really go in with a scalpel and say, no, we shouldn't have this guy, but we should have this guy because in at, like, like Gerb said, we uh, the biggest debate on Brown's Twitter was, are we going to keep this guy to be our wide receiver six? <laughs> yeah. They were pitting, pitting bell and Watkins against each other. Like, like, yeah, they're going to maybe account for like 30, 40 targets, like during the season. If that, they're not going to combine to have how many, how many snaps combined do you think they're going to play this year? Is it over or under 200? Under. <laughs> uh, yeah. under. 
<laughs> exactly. I you mean, could put me, you could put out a hundred, and I would say maybe under <laughs> combined. Yeah, yeah. Because unless unless you're losing a bunch of receivers ahead of them, I just don't think they're going to see the field. Watkins has. I mean, Bell is a more developmental. He's still younger. Watkins is depth. He's there if you lose uh, Goodwin or if you lose uh, DPJ or Cooper. Like he, he's just depth. Yeah, he's the break glass in case of emergency X wide receiver that you do not want to see. We you yeah. might love him now before the season, but in week six if something catastrophic were happening, we will be <laughs> not pleased with him running routes. Yeah, we we were talking about in the Discord the other day. It's like. This is a guy who his ceiling might be preseason hero, which is fine. That means he's a good NFL player. He's good enough to be on a roster, but he's 25 years old. You're probably seeing what you're going to get. Right. Yep. Um, As far as fully shaking out, I am happy that they were able to bring back Michael Dunn on the active roster. Um, His versatility on the interior of the line is important because it allows you to not have they don't have another guard currently on the roster uh drew forbes was put on the nfi list the non-football injury list so literally it was uh whipler who i cannot remember his first name out of ohio state was the only other interior lineman that they had yesterday that wasn't joel batonio and what miles teller or uh, wyatt teller isn't nick harris still around Oh yes, yeah. you are right. You are right. You are right. Let's say we, after last season, we have to go in with a backup center. Yes, <laughs> but yes, please, I mean, please. but still. So you had, so you had, you had Whipler, who's a who was a center in college, and then Nick Harris. So they were splitting time at guard, backup guard. So having Michael Dunn there is nice because he can play left or right. And uh, I was happy they were able to get him back on the active roster. So he's not even on the practice squad. He's on the fifty-three man. Uh, with the how Iron much? Wizard, how much better so. is la- does last season go if we're not down to center six? <laughs> uh, oh boy. <laughs> the Yoda Holt snaps were were not very fun. I, I will admit. Oh, the Jante Froholt, Warren Warren He he's actually like he he was doing pretty well in Arizona this preseason as a guard. Yeah. Like, props to him. He's not a center, but like. Go yeah. go go! Do your thing, my guy. Yeah. Um, Warren, Warren Raider there. Yeah, got to shout out the guys that came from my area. So, um, we we kind of addressed this, so I'm going to skip. Have we made any mistakes on sk- keeping a player? Because there's not many mistakes to make when you're really only cutting around like four dudes. Um, they did make a couple trades, which uh, is kind of standard this time of year, but. You don't often see kicker trades. What What is your thought on the concept of a kicker trade and how much more comfortable are you with the kicking than, than you were before? Probably probably more than what I was before the trade because if they went in with Cade York, I think half of the city would have burned down if he missed the game winning kick <laughs> on week one. He'd have gone out there and missed the first extra point. Oh, <laughs> we would have, yeah, first touchdown. He would kill the vibes instantly with that we, wide shank. <laughs> we we would run the perfect wide receiver screen on the first play of the year to Elijah Moore for an 85-yard touchdown, and he 
would kick it into Lake Erie. <laughs> the way it was going is he was either going to never make one for Cleveland or make everything. And just, and it was, there was no up or down on that one. And it was taking the chances on, on him going. Um, I, I wrote earlier this month uh, about why I felt the team was tied to, uh, to York that uh, I used the, the Rorschach from the Watchmen. Uh, you're not locked in here with me. I'm locked in here, or you're not. I'm not locked in here with you. You're locked in here with me. And uh, obviously, when you go 50% in the preseason, you're not locked in with anybody. You can be cut, and uh, that that's what it boils down to. Um, you know, it would it have been nice to have Cade Yorks be good in a Cleveland Browns uniform? Absolutely. Is it going to suck when he inevitably makes a field goal against us in Week Three? Sure, but you know it's it, it is what it is, and I like the addition the addition of Hopkins. I was I, there were other guys out there like Nick Folk, Robbie Gold is still sitting at home uh, waiting Rise for a call. Yeah. Is it, so, isn't he like forty <laughs> two? Sure, yeah, it is the problem. He wants super old. <laughs> wouldn't you call Phil Dawson if you could? If you thought that it was going to work, he did hit a fifty-five so. yarder at his uh, high at, at the high school he coaches. That was pretty I feel cool. like the, I feel like the concept of Phil Dawson is better than the reality of Phil Dawson at this point. In his oh, life. Yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> sure, sure, sure. But anyway, yeah i i like I like Hopkins in that he's just he's just more reliable. He doesn't have the stealing that York does, where he's he's fifty percent, but from fifty yards, not every kick yeah which is so like a that's you kicker. know like like it is what it is if the guy ha- doesn't have range it is what it is but that's a typical kicker yeah you, you don't feel like you have to find every good luck charm in the in a tri-county area every time you send a kicker out there <laughs> not sacrificing rabbits on the uh, sidelines to get feet to rub you know <laughs> um no what do you what do you think about the um the trade for uh, Pierre Strong? I think uh, it was definitely necessary. I think Tyrone Wheatley had, uh, who was the guy we traded to the Patriots for Pierre Strong. Um, I think he had a pretty good preseason, but I'm, when you have three tackles on the roster, there's just no need. Uh, Pierre Strong ran like a 4.3740 or something like that during his scouting process. Um, he has some special uh, special teams experience. I think it was a great trade, uh, especially for a team who's still kind of looking for an RB2 with a Jerome Ford maybe out week one. Uh, we don't know how long that's going to sideline him, but <clears throat> it was a good trade. He can be used in the receiving game. I'll take it. And anytime you get a guy with speed, you're willing to jump on the offer. So I, I liked it. Yeah, to me, it felt like almost a more fully realized version of Demetric Felton. Because, mm-hmm. um, you know, even though I thought Demetric Felton looked good at, good enough in the preseason to keep him around as running back three, he doesn't fill that special teams role in the same way that Strong does. Strong can return kicks. Uh, without Jakeem Grant, who, God help him, his legs can't stay under him, um, Without without him on the team, you don't have a kick returner. You don't have a punt returner. Uh, so 
I think DPJ probably slots into the punt return role most times because if anything, if anything, he's just going to catch the ball and give the offense a shot. But I think Strong slots into the kick return role, which is something that Felton had proven that he couldn't do because he just couldn't catch kicks. <laughs> which, you know, if you're not going to be able to, turns out. Turns out that's important. Yeah. yeah. If you're a running back three who runs a four three forty and and you can catch kicks, you are far more likely to make a team than if you cannot catch kicks. Yeah, it turns out doing the little things matters. Uh, yeah. That's what we learned. Yeah. I mean, granted, maybe we kind of stunted his development by like splitting his brain in half for three years or two years, however long it was. But that just means that we had him in the wide receiver room for a while. We, they didn't do any experiments. Anybody that's listening that didn't know <laughs> that Demetrius Felton was a wide receiver running back yeah, for we did not years, perform brain surgery. We didn't do any kind of <laughs> the team did not do exploratory surgery on Demetrius Felton. <laughs> I just had never heard the term splitting his brain in half used that way before. I wanted to make sure we do not condone experimental surgeries here on WFNY. <laughs> What happens? I don't know what. what, what I don't know what Dave is doing. I don't know what Dave is doing with the AI on uh, the Friday fumble. That's not anything that we're doing. He'll clip here. this and use it against us somehow. A thousand percent. Um, to to Noah's point about a running back two in Jerome Ford, he did return to practice this week, so it is nice that he uh, is there. Um, I was, I, I count me a, a, a plus for Pierre Strong as well. Um, I was a little worried about running, uh, running back two, running back three. Um, they seemed, I, I figured that they would maybe go with Ford as the punt returner, kick returner, um, and then use Pierre Strong a little bit more as a running back two. If it flips the other way, that's fine too. I, I, I'm okay with that. Um, Ford has been there longer, so he probably gets, uh, some more run on the field starting out, but uh, you know, either or. I, I it, it's a situ, it's a spot that they have pretty much said is not going to get as much look as it has in the past because they don't have the Kareem Hunt of it all uh, hanging over it, and and a lot of those looks are going to go to Nick Chubb, which is uh, you know what Kareem Hunt has given you to the team for the last two years getting more Nick Chubb is, is a, is a big positive. So, yeah, I mean, I think I, we, I think collectively everyone wants to see more Nick Chubb out there, but until he shows that he can be consistent in the passing game and consistent as a pass blocker, they're always going to need someone else, unfortunately, because he just hasn't developed the consistency in those two areas of his game. The pass blocking one doesn't make a whole lot of sense because dude is massive, but I would understand the pass catching one because he never even really had to do that in college because they had uh, Sonny Michelle and Todd Gurley and for like the greatest running back room in the history of college football for whatever reason. I love the Sonny Michelle stat that he was in the NFL, won two Super Bowls, and retired before Stetson Bennett got drafted. <laughs> <laughs> Were they, were they teammates? That's, that night was 36. They were teammates and just, in were Georgia. <laughs> they were on the roster together in Georgia. And Sonny Michelle got drafted, won two Super Bowls with two different teams, 
and retired before Bennett came to the NFL. Wow, what have I done with my life? I know. <laughs> but we haven't done exploratory surgery on people's brains. We I'll tell you that. We figured out a way to get to Mars, and, and Stetson Bennett is now a rookie in the NFL. <laughs> the year is 2024. The year is 2034. Stetson Bennett is now in grad school. <laughs> he is now 42 years old. <laughs> Frank Gore ran for 1,000 yards. <laughs> and Mike Tomlin still hasn't been under 500. <laughs> right. <Yep. laughs> there we go. Not at all. We had to try back that. <laughs> Tom Brady's unretired twice. Um, right. Going into the season, how hot do you think the seat is under Stefanski internally and realistically? I'm Ken Harbaugh, host of Warriors in Their Own Words, a podcast that presents the unvarnished, unsanitized truth of what we have asked of those who defend this nation. As a country, we need these stories more than ever. Stories from Americans who have borne the battle, including 30-year-old remastered interviews with veterans from World War I recounting their time in the trenches of Europe, and with veterans from World War II, Korea, Vietnam, and from our most recent conflicts in Iraq, Afghanistan, and other battlefields Americans may never have heard of. Hear their stories by listening to Warriors in Their Own Words wherever you find podcasts. I would say it's moderately hot right now, but depending on how things go, uh, it could get hotter depending on how the record looks and how they play. Because if, say, they go like two and two, I think they're fine. They'll go into the bye week, no worries internally. I would understand half of the city wanting to fire him on it after a two and two start, but that's the, that's the yeah. fans, that's their prerogative. But I think internally – they're not going to sweat it because you can go two and two and still win a division or go to the playoffs going to. Yeah. Scale, scale of one to 10, one being Bill Belichick, 10 being George Kokinas. <laughs> okay. I'd say Ron Rivera. Let's go head coaches here. Because <laughs> Ron Rivera is just, he's just happy to be there. You know? <laughs> oh, he's trying. <laughs> he, he survived. He thought he was going to get fired before Daniel Snyder was going to sell. He somehow survived that. That that, that sale that that sale of that team happened in at exactly the perfect time for Ron Rivera to keep his job. Yeah, if it had been a little bit earlier, it would be absolutely would have been gone. Oh yeah. So anyway, um, going from the Belichick Rivera scale, I would uh, give it probably like a three. Um, internally, I do agree with uh, Wizard that uh, he's probably at like a seven for the fans, um, especially if it gets if it gets rough early on. Oh, they get blown um, out week one. They're going to want him fired on Monday. Oh, oh yeah. a they, thousand. They percent. will be packing his bags for him. They'll, they'll, like they will do it all by themselves. They don't care. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I I think you know if you. If you aren't trying, if you don't feel pressure in the NFL, you are either Belichick, who just doesn't care anymore, and you know he holds up the two hands with rings mm-hmm. on them, 
or you're Ron Rivera where you're just happy to be there and you have no idea what's going on. So how did I get know, here? Um, how did I get here? Um, I still work here. Yeah. I'm surprised the, co- the code still works on the door. Right. So yeah, I I'm, I'm all for, I, I think he's going to stay. I don't see any reason to get rid of him. It's not what, it's not what normal franchises would do. I don't think the, the pressure is that high in year two of Watson you know, if 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 you're looking at like one and seven, that's different. You know what I mean? But that's not uh, that's not where we're at. So or that's where I don't think we're going to be at. God, if they're one and seven, Just, mm. I might that, not even talk to you guys anymore after that. <laughs> that would mean losses to three <laughs> of Arizona, Seattle, Indianapolis, and Tennessee. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or I, all uh, four. I think it's me personally. I'm at like about, I'm at a five. No, I'm at a four. And I think the the organization can kind of feel my thinking a little bit where he had, he had an injured Baker Mayfield in 2021. Stefanski had a suspended Deshaun Watson and just kind of, it did not seem like they were trying very hard last year. And then this year is going to be, where you put it all into fruition and then your fantastic front office and, and general manager is trying to work you out of this horrible cap space dungeon that they see themselves in. So then you lock up some guys next year and then next year is going to be the point where that's where his seat is warm going into the opener. And then it progresses throughout that season. Uh, I mean, if he goes, like you said, one in seven this year, then we'll see. Uh, but I think it's all just going to wait until next year and and hopefully we don't get to that point because I cannot stand another coaching cycle, going through another interview process with head coaches, all that stuff. But I, I, I hope he can, he can pull it through this year. Yeah, I would, I would say internally that the temperature is probably – fairly low um i mean it's not ice cold but like i think they understand the organization understands that uh well one jimmy haslam can't be knee-jerk reaction guy anymore that really didn't get him anywhere the first six years and two i think they see this as probably like this is his fourth season coaching and it's his second like normal year um, 2021 was a normal year going in. Then Baker gets hurt and it becomes an abnormal year. But the other two years were COVID and Deshaun Watson suspended until December. So this is, this will be the first, this will be the first time since like week five of 2021 where Stefanski is in a normal situation. Because nothing is normal as long as you have Deshaun Watson on the team. But um, it's it's a normal situation in terms of football. Like, you have a solid team. You have everything in place. You just got to stay healthy and win football games. Can't agree. Um, so that, that was 42 minutes of talking about the preseason. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, is that is that not what you wanted to do all day? <laughs> I, I didn't care. Let's 
I, I was expecting two hours, to be honest. <laughs> hey, I mean, it used to be Super Bowl. The, the Super Bowl was our the preseason was our Super Bowl. So um, as, as we kind of flip to the regular season, I think Joe and I played the schedule game back in April when it came out. Um, obviously, we didn't have a full grasp of where teams would be heading into the season because we didn't know what the Colts were going to be. We didn't know what the Cardinals were going to be or the Bears. Um, with with kind of the the knowledge of the season being a week away, and we and people have a general idea of where teams are going to go. Where um, how how do you see the schedule and kind of what do you what do you think about the what like play the schedule game? Um, week one, I I'd, I'd say that's going to be a very close game. I might, in all honesty, give it to the Bengals. I, I just think they're just – they may be clicking a little better. And and we have a lot of things that we still have to implement. Um, the offensive line is going to still be getting used to a scrambling Deshaun Watson. And I think in the preseason a little bit you saw Jedrick Wills kind of got bullied a little bit and then Watson has to improvise and then that forces everybody else to just kind of – scatter around and, and figure out what to do um, with their assignments. But I'm, I'm going to give week one to the Bengals and. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it, it, it's a tough one because in the back of your mind, you think, Oh, well, the Browns have played well against them and no, oh, the Brown, the Bengals haven't won in Cleveland since God, what, what was that? Like 2018, the Trump administration, that, that might be an accurate assessment. Yeah. Um, so like there, there's things going both ways. Uh, Burrow not having practice in a while is definitely, uh, a plus for the Browns in a sense. Um, uh, the Bengals haven't necessarily played well at the beginning of the season, the last few years, uh, they lost to the Steelers and they lost to Mitch Trubisky in week one last year. Uh, crazy game. I'll, I'll watch that along with side the Browns game. That was an insane game. Also, Burrow hasn't had a normal preseason. No, ever, he hasn't. I don't think. It does. No, he so, had. Yeah. Um, what was it? Twenty twenty one or twenty twenty? His COVID year. COVID year was his rookie year, so that wasn't normal. Uh, right. Then he was coming back from right. ACL, and then he had an appendectomy, and now his calf decided to not work. <laughs> and also, amid uh, contract talk yeah. and things like that. So. So yeah, I mean. Which I'm sure Mike Brown is shivering in his boots as we speak. He's trying to find more. He's panhandling at this point. Uh, <laughs> um, what what stretch of the Brown schedule do you think is the toughest? I know I'm making everyone pull up the schedule. That's why there's some dead air. No, you're good. I I already <laughs> had. I saw this. I saw this on the uh, on the thing. So. Um, Honestly, it's it's probably the beginning. Uh, the you have all these divisional games, you know, early, um, and then you have an early bye week, and then you have the Niners, which is you know everybody's arguable best roster in the league. Um, I don't believe in Brock Purdy. Uh, that's just me, just saying things out loud that I I I get flack for when I'm in my office. Um, my boss likes to bring up the fact that I was not on the Brock Purdy train last year all the time. 
But um, yeah, when I look at when I look at divisional games, I I tend to just go, all right, we're gonna go three and three. We're gonna win the home games. We'll lose the away games, just as a kind of a baseline, a, a, a baseline, yeah. you know. Uh, but yeah, Titans, Titans will be a tough one. Will they though? Ravens at Ravens home. Yeah, they, what what exactly are the Titans right now? Because they're going the defense. Defense, the defense is tough. Vrabel never has a bad defense. He doesn't, and but what's their quarterback it's, situation? Because it's not pretty. Allegedly still Ryan Tannehill. <laughs> Allegedly. And yeah. and Derrick Henry. I mean, you know, so it, it's that's that's their offense. I'm I it's it's going to be a tougher game than what we want it to be. Is is where I'm going to end up probably with well, with Tennessee. Mm-hmm. Then you then you have Baltimore by week, and then you have the Niners. That's probably the roughest stretch, but that's also three home games, which so, is the the yeah, plus I, side. I of that. do like so. starting with four of your first five. On, like you're basically you're only leaving Cleveland once in the first six weeks of the season, and it's to go to right. Pittsburgh. So. It, which barely a trip. Usually we face Pittsburgh here, but they're taking, they're getting that out of the way yeah. the second week, which is unusual, but I'll take it. Yeah. So, I mean, it's kind of nice to start all those games at home, but then it like y- you pay the piper at some point in the season and you know, after the bye, I-, I think, I think the t- like if we weren't playing like really bad teams in that stretch, that, that, middle of the season where we have we go from October 22nd to December 3rd playing two home games that's rough uh, yeah that that that's just rough on the team i don't think necessarily going to indianapolis is tough or going to los angeles i don't think the rams are going to be that good after the trade deadline <laughs> Yeah, like on its face, you think like the Colts and the like Seahawks, it's not a bad matchup for the team, but it's the travel. Like you go from Indianapolis and then you're traveling all the way to the West yeah. Coast. So like you never know about jet lag and stuff like that. The stuff we don't really think about until we watch the game and we're like playing in Seattle. Playing in Seattle guys. sucks anyway. Like that's a tough place to play. And the oh, weather yeah. usually is bad. And, and the fans are on top of you um, like unlike m- – like most stadiums where the sound is just deafening. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I think I agree with Gerbs. I think the, the first six weeks of this, the, the schedule are probably the toughest just because you play three division games, you're throwing Tennessee in there, and you're throwing probably the best defense in the league in there, even if you don't have any faith in the offense. That's going to be an ugly game to watch. Uh, I don't. I'm out on Brock Purdy. Just, I mean, again. It'll definitely be a like a slugfest at the I very ca- least. Even if you don't, I, ca- I kind of hope that's the one of those games that like we had in 2020 where everything is a tropical storm <laughs> and it's just the <laughs> ugliest possible football game. <laughs> By October, I wouldn't be shocked. <laughs> How Lake Erie works, I would not yeah. be shocked. So, I mean, that's going to be an ugly game anyway. I I think going on. Uh, actually, Noah, what do you think is the toughest stretch? Yeah, the first six weeks are just – they're pretty brutal. Um, week two at Steelers, Monday night football, that's that's going to be pretty difficult. And I know they're division rivals, but the Steelers have a good roster and they have one of the best coaches in the league. That's going to be a very tough game. Then you go 
play the Titans. I mean, who really cares? But then you have the Ravens again, and then a bye week. Then you got to go get ready for the Niners. So it's just yeah. it's just really difficult to get beaten up like that. We're going to know where this team is after the first month. Yeah. Um, we're going to know where the defense stands and if there if it truly is an improvement to have Schwartz that we think it's going to be because you play Joe Burrow, Derrick Henry, and Lamar Jackson in the first month. Like, that's that's not easy. Like, you're not – like, the back end of the schedule where you're facing Jacksonville, who's basically Trevor Lawrence and some scrubs. Uh, Chicago, who is treating Justin Fields like a running back. And Houston, who still doesn't have a roster but has C.J. Stroud. Um, like, if you started the season with those three – you could maybe say, "Oh, yeah, we'll kind of ease into this, and we'll 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 figure figure ourselves out." But no, you're like, you're getting thrown to the wolves in the first month of the season. So, I think I think differently about the Jags than you do. I think they're I think they are legit. But yes, Bears, Texans, and then you know that's that's an, an easy easy couple weeks there. But yeah, yeah. I mean, the the schedule isn't bad. It's just. Overall, the schedule is not hard. It's just divvied up in a way where it makes there's not like a break. Um, right. If you space out those six road or five road games in the middle of the season, it's a little better. If you're not playing all those teams in the beginning of the season, it's a little better. If you're mixing in the Bears and the Texans in between the Ravens and the Niners, it's a little better. But no, you're you're starting off you're starting off firing. But that's what you're going to have to do to win this division or pl- compete in the AFC. So mm-hmm. it's not a bad way to start. What'll be What'll be nice is uh, Aaron Donald getting a home game against the uh, the Rams when he, they trade him to us. <laughs> yeah, that would be nice. I wonder. I wonder realistically. I wonder what he would cost. Depending upon what you're taking salary wise. Yeah, and draft capital that maybe we still have that they. That they don't have. Yeah, I mean, all. even our draft capital looks like riches compared to theirs. Right. You have We're one at least more getting year first of... round picks back very soon. Who knows what they're getting back? <laughs> like it's they they've they've yeah. mortgaged their soul, their house, and then and their left arm <laughs> to stay competitive. Yeah, it's really nice of them to make a star and scrubs roster. You know. Yeah. <laughs> It's not stars. It's just one singular. Uno, Uno star. Uno stars. Um, okay, so toughest <laughs> toughest part of this: say something nice about your division opponents. <laughs> Do we have to? What What are your honest thoughts about this division? Obviously, we know we we think it's going to be the toughest, but where? What's going to keep them either ahead of us or what's going to make it challenging for us to break through the way that the Browns want to? We want the Browns to break through. Okay. Something I would... nice. I am I am honestly worried about Baltimore's offense, revamped offense. Uh, I think Greg Roman was a uh, was a godsend to Cleveland that we didn't know was that we had. <laughs> And Look, if Joe keeping, Woods can figure you out, you have a problem. <laughs> keeping Lamar Jackson in the pocket was 
was one of the worst decisions. And playing a spread offense, you know, with him is 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 going to be really scary. If it doesn't work, then obviously, you know, that defense has some holes in it. Without a pass the rush. defense has a lot of holes. They lost a there. lot of people. That yeah, they've lost a lot, and they don't really have a good pass rush there. So it's 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 kind of flipped a little bit, where the offense is almost a little bit more uh, the carrier of Baltimore than the defense. Now I will but, say uh, about their offense for me, while I think their offense can be much improved and I have yet to see what their scheme is going to be with Lamar. If they're, if they're going to let, if they're going to unchain him and just let him be a Madden quarterback, yep. then he's going to light people on fire like he did in 2019. But right. All this talk about how their receiving core is so great. Like why are we putting so much stock in OBJ post, three knee surgeries and Zay flower, Zay flowers oh, sure. could be great, but he's a rookie receiver and the Ravens talent evaluation with receivers in the draft has been horrible. Uh, Mark Andrews is getting older. I think they just lost their second mm-hmm. string guy elsewhere. I, I, did, did likely get hurt. Or no, I, yeah, hurt. I thought they lost someone in free agency, but they, they lost, um, They lost some offensive linemen, J.K. Dobbins, for all of his fans in Ohio. Dude is not proven he's the same yet. Until he proves he's the same as he was before he blew his knee out. Like, he's He's just just a a dude. Yeah. Like, there's a lot of questions on that off that that team. They they have they have a high ceiling, but they have a pretty low floor. And the floor gets lower if Lamar can't stay healthy, and he's not been healthy. He's not played a full season, what, the last three years? Last two years, at least. <clears throat> like, I-, I could see the Ravens challenging for the division, but I could also see them finishing last, just because there's so many what-ifs on that team. I That's just kind of how I see it. I mean, I don't know how much yeah. of that is hater energy and how much of that is <laughs> real. But there's just a lot of questions on that team for the hype that they've gotten. I understand that Lamar is still Lamar. And that's not I'm not taking anything away from Lamar, except for the fact that he can't stay healthy. Yeah, it, it's like if you if any listeners are listening are baseball fans, it's like Aaron Judge with the Yankees. Aaron Judge is amazing. But if say he gets hurt, the Yankees just collapse because he is literally the thing that makes them relevant. And we're seeing this year how they're basically just a 500 team with or without him because he keeps getting hurt. And I see that with the Ravens where if Lamar's there, they'll be fine. But if he's not, I just expect them to just have – expect him to just yeah. collapse. Like they much. don't have the defense to keep them in games anymore if Lamar is not there. They will mm-hmm. – if Lamar gets hurt in the first month of the season, which I'm not rooting for – but if he gets hurt in the first month of the season, that team will not win more than four games. They do not. Definitely not a fan of, not a fan of Snoop Huntley. No. <laughs> he was a pro bowler. He's a pro bowler. Cool. <laughs> what does pro, pro bowl even mean it. anymore? <laughs> Can anybody name a Ravens corner that isn't Marlon Humphrey? I don't know any of their corners right now. 
Uh, now Peters yeah. is gone. I don't yeah. know. Who, I don't know any of the other ones now. Yeah, they lost left. a safety too, didn't they? Um, yeah, Kyle Hamilton. They is lost another one because he's a he was a rookie from last year. Um, but yeah, I think their their defense lost a lot. I, their offense gained, but OB like you're pinning so many hopes on OBJ who has not been healthy and J.K. Dobbins who may never be a hundred percent again and Mark Andrews who is still very good but how old is he now? And but probably close to thirty. His usage rate think. is extreme because that's that's the only thing that uh <laughs> Greg Roman knew how to do. Right. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. I I will say this just as a like cap off of the division. I can see if you told me in January there's only there is only one scenario of teams falling in that I don't see it happening is Cincinnati being at the at the basement. If you told me any other team won Pittsburgh won, Cleveland second, Baltimore third, I don't see Cincinnati fourth. I just don't, that's the only place I don't Unless see Burrow gets hurt in week any one. other any other amalgamation of of roster. I if could, Burrow I could gets see. hurt week one, but like sure. but like but you're talking about injuries. Like, but if, yeah, it, you're talking about yeah. If Lamar gets hurt, if yeah, Watson gets hurt, like if, like um, I, I keep going back because my dad asked me about the Browns backup quarterback situation back in I think it was June. He was like, "Who's the backup quarterback this year?" And I was like. I'm gonna I'm gonna paraphrase Tony Dungy or the offensive coordinator from back in Peyton Manning's Colts days, at when he was asked why Peyton Manning takes all the first for, takes all the snaps in practice, and the response the response was, if if 18 isn't out there, we are fucked, and we don't practice fucked. <laughs> so, <laughs> yep, <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I think that's the situation for every quarterback, except I don't think there's a major drop-off between Kenny Pickett and whoever is behind him at this point. But Don't tell the national media. He's the next star. Mason's still there, for the record. Mason is still employed by that organization somehow. He must have pictures. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Who knows? But. They have audio. Someone, someone does. So, <laughs> somebody has it. <laughs> someone has that audio. I don't know why the NFL has maybe protected uh, Mason Rudolph to this point, but because reasons. But capitalism. What do you want to call? It? I don't know. Uh, but I blame capitalism on something yeah. earlier. I mean, the Steelers. The Steelers are another team that I don't necessarily. I mean, people think they're going to be good. I, I think – I don't know. I, I just can't put a whole lot of faith in, in Kenny Pickett until he shows me a reason to. Um, yeah. He may have won six of his last seven starts, but I think he threw like four touchdowns and one pick in that whole thing and maybe for 1,600 yards. Like not, not good. <laughs> <laughs> like we're talking about if the Browns were winning with Seneca Wallace and now we're, we're propping up Seneca Wallace. Um, but, and as, as far as the Bengals go, 
I mean, th- this is somewhat hater energy. They are due for some kind of bad luck. They haven't had. They've been ridiculously healthy the last. They have. Years. Yes, they have. I didn't want to say they've injury luck, but like they have been. They've been riding high on everything going their way for two seasons. Lamar has gotten hurt at the end of the year as the Ravens could have made a push. The Browns have kind of stumbled. The Steelers are doing whatever they want to do. They're, they're, they're employing Matt Canada for some reason. <laughs> um, so, like, there's, there's question marks on all, all, all four teams, but all four teams should be good. I don't have a whole lot of faith in the Bengals' yeah. defense. I think they lost a lot in the second. They lost a lot in the secondary. Um, yeah, a lot of free agents. Yeah, one of them is here now. Um, but they, they still should be. I mean, I'm not saying they're going to be bad. It's like, who did we sign every year in Carolina? <laughs> yeah, no, Von Bell signed down here. Um, yeah, I know. I was like, wait, who's in Cleveland from Cincinnati? I, we didn't, we, we wanted to I, sign. I wanted to sign the didn't. linebacker. Uh, Oh, yeah, yeah, forget yeah. his name right now. Oh, Jermaine Pratt. Yeah, I wanted to sign him. Yeah, but I am happy with one uh, Thornhill. By the way, just again putting that out there as a guy, just to have things ready to have a to have a uh, to be a defensive player and having a touchdown celebration ready for your game in Kansas City. Like I know that's where you came from, so there's some extra there. But to be an offensive guy and have that just like prepped is is great. That's that takes that's uh that's some gets us meter. Yeah, you know <laughs> that's the level of petty that. that I like to see. <laughs> I like to see. Um. Okay, so obviously we're gonna we're gonna talk more Bengals next week. But um, last question before we before we go tonight, because I've already kept you guys here an hour. Um. This season is a failure if the Browns don't win how many games? Yep. Ten. Yep. Ten. ten. Nine, nine to squeak in, ten to win. Does nine even get you in? No. Not, not in the AFC. Not in this AFC, no, but there, there, you never know. Nine games will give you a chance. And nine games should give you a chance because, you know, Yes, you have the AFC North and the AFC East that could very well each put three teams in the playoffs. Or one of them could put three teams in the playoffs. Um, the AFC West and the AFC South, the AFC South is going to put one in. There, there's, there's no way another team in that division is making the playoffs other than the team that wins it. Um, the Chargers could be better. The Chiefs are obviously going to win that division. Uh, the Broncos are seven giant question marks wrapped in uh, a Russell Wilson trench coat <laughs> and running a fa- a phantom two minute drill by yeah. himself. And with Sean Payton just patiently wa- waiting to see if Russ is still yeah. Russ. <laughs> did, what did I sign up for? I went to Denver for this. This is, <laughs> At least there's dispensary. Uh, but, <laughs> uh, but do they drug test coaches? Probably, probably not. not. And can yeah. you, 
I would have. I, I could so imagine a coach just showing up high and nobody. I think they're. Up. I think they. That, that's Mike McDaniel's anyway. job. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> no one. No one ever checked what was in that vape. Nope. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I think if you want to be nice, it's a failure if it's less than nine. If if everyone stays yeah. healthy and things fall their way i like less than nine just doesn't even feel possible if things are going your way and you stay healthy the yeah they should at least win 10 games, yeah i mean I feel. We, we've been t- even if Deshaun is not at a top 10 level he should play well enough to think 10 or 11 games is definitely yeah well, when we've been talking about it we've brought it up a couple times now in the discord I would be happy if he is 85% of what he was in 2020. Obviously, I want more than that. But if he is 85% of what he was in 2020, that's 4,100 yards, 28 touchdowns, and 8 picks. If the defense is 85% of what's advertised with Jim Schwartz, the team isn't winning less than 11 games. Yeah, and especially since you have that backbone in Nick Chubb that you can always go to if you need a yeah. pick-me-up, like if the offense calls. Yeah, so, I mean, I, it would be it would be kind of short-sighted to expect Deshaun Watson to return to 2020. Obviously, that's what you traded for. That's what you paid for. But it's, I mean, is it unfair to expect that? Not with the way the roster's mm-hmm. built. Like like Jake Burns has, has tweeted out, it's a good roster. Go win games. Yeah. I mean, you know, it, it really is. He, it, wins, he, he may not put up wins. the same number of stats because that Texans team was god awful. But, um, and if he gives you like a 2019 stat line, like you said, like 28 touchdowns, less than 10 picks, and then you have Nick Chubb to salt away games, that's perfectly fine. That'll get you yeah. in the playoffs. I mean, the 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 excuses are running out because you you have the roster you need. So, yeah, especially with all the money they put on this team, uh, all the free agents. There's no questions at D tackle. There's no questions at wide receiver. There's no questions at safety. That we uh, all the things that we've complained about for three or four years with as a fan base, they're all here. Yeah. We know what the deal is. Yeah, I mean, this is probably the best roster they've had since they went to the AFC title game in 1986. <laughs> I'll Three of the people in this room were not one. alive. <laughs> <laughs> I was one. Gerbs wasn't conscious. <laughs> I was not. <laughs> so, Did ever take it? I was born on the day that Bernie Kosar, Bernie Kosar made his first start for the Browns. I don't know. I'm trying to figure out what universal connection you have there, but uh. <laughs> nothing. I'm born to be waiting. The owner of waiting for next year is what that basically means. Well, you did it. It was. It was. It was, it was meant to be. However, it was. It was meant to be. It was meant to be, and that is foreseen. So, okay. Well, before we go any further off the rails, um, I think we should probably call it a night here. Um, We've 
we've had a, a lot of good discussion here and I think, I think we're more than ready for the season now after not really, I, I haven't yeah. talked about it verbally in a while because I am surrounded by Panthers fans and Steelers fans, unfortunately. So we're always they, here, buddy. They travel. Unfortunately. Well, so, um, so yeah, we, I don't know who's going to be back next week, but I will always accept anyone who wants to talk. Um, we will be back at some point to preview the Bengals game. And oh. yep, we'll be on. Like I say some, we'll have a podcast of some sort next week and uh, we will have our uh, weekly round table out for next Friday yep. for week one. Sounds good. Uh, well, thanks guys for uh, coming on. It was fun. And hopefully the season is fun. Fingers crossed. <laughs> I'm a grown-up. Me too. Yep, me too. But you know, these days, being a grown-up can really suck. Luckily, we're grown-ups who grew up in the coolest generation. We had video arcades. And also some of the best TV and movies ever made. We lived the origin of awesome consumer electronics. The list goes on and on. Yep, Generation X. Exactly. And we're Gen X Grown-Up. Every week, the Gen X Grown-Up podcast explores media, tech, toys, games, and more from both yesterday and today. Through the eyes of Generation Xers who absolutely love that stuff. You can find us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Or find us on our website, genxgrownup.com. Alright, I think that was good enough? I I hope so, man. I'm tired. (laughs) Who listens to a promo on a podcast and then goes and listens to a different podcast? I've never done it. (laughs) Right.